Hello and welcome to Rike's Expat Podcast. This is podcast number 014 and today we're going to do kind of a wrap up on what's the latest going on here in Southeast Asia. As most of you may know, the last four years I've spent here in the Philippines at various different islands, kind of making my way south, beginning from Mactan down to Dumaguete, where I am now. But part of my my daily routine every morning is to go straight to the news outlets, and I, I get Google alerts. That's an easy way to do it. Plus, I also check a, a bookmark that I have that gives me a summary of all the news going on in Southeast Asia. Some of this I post to a Facebook page. And so it's just part of my routine. At first I was only reading up on the daily events going on here just in the Philippines. But over the last year I've been expanding and including in my just my daily news reading the entire Southeast Asian area because I'm I'm taking more and more of an interest in all of Southeast Asia. So I've been reading a bit more about South Korea, Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam, a little bit about Malaysia, and then just a bit about Hong Kong and Japan. I'm, I'm more in, interested in their culture uh, more so than uh, what's going on politically or anything else. So right now, this particular week of uh, October, it's mid-October 2016 right now, there's a lot going on which it seems like it's a pivotal time right now. This whole final quarter of 2016, there's a whole lot going on in in many of the countries that I thought it was a good time to just kind of give you a a very brief synopsis. We're just going to kind of cover through the tips of the iceberg here on some of the key important items going on in Southeast Asia. For those of you who are expats and you're thinking about either taking a vacation out here or you're thinking about retiring, maybe even starting a business out here in Southeast Asia, I believe this would be a lot of good information for you to to just kind of, we can go over here really quickly. Again, if you really want more information, you can check out, I'll put a link uh, here on the page at uh, lifebeyondthesea.com. Just go to the podcast section and uh, I'll put a link here for on this page for the uh, Facebook page that I have where I, I put daily links. Every day I put links on Southeast Asian news and you can kind of keep up there. Now it is only available in certain countries. Uh, I've made it only visible for United States, Canada, Australia, and most of Europe. There's a lot of articles, and I'll get into this here in a little bit, but because of the way politics are run in Southeast Asia, you have communist countries, you have uh, people that are, well, I'll just say very passionate about their politics. I, I just simply had to make it visible to Westerners who are who want information about Southeast Asia, it just became too hot a topic. Uh, just even just printing, just sharing the news, just sharing the news became really just too hot a topic uh, to even make it visible. So if you're in the Philippines, you won't be able to see that link. But if you're in the United States, Canada, Australia, or uh, the UK, Europe, you should be able to see the page. First, I'll do a quick wrap-up on um, the immigration status for a couple of countries. Now, there have been some changes. Just this month, in, or actually last month, in September, Cambodia, Cambodia just boosted up their immigration visa for tourists. 
it used to be really short. I think it was something like uh, three months or something like that, uh, three to six months. But now they've taken on a, a visa extension for tourists, which is kind of similar to the Philippines. Now, as of this month in October in 2016, in Cambodia, you can get a tourist visa and you can stay in Cambodia for up to three years. And then you would have to exit and you would have to then come back in if you wanted to stay longer. But it's definitely been pushed out uh, to a longer three-year period. And there are renewals along the way. But they essentially are taking this step in order to encourage uh, tourism there in Cambodia. Now, over meanwhile, in Vietnam, again, this same quarter... Vietnam just extended their uh, visa, and it's a pretty good deal. It's a one-year visa. Now, every three months, you do have to hop out of the country and hop back in. However, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the the one-year visa for Americans, uh, I don't know about the other countries, perhaps somebody can put in the comments more detail, a link or something. But for uh, Americans wanting to stay in Vietnam, they can get a one-year visa for approximately $130 US. There's a couple other smaller fees there, and there's some other expenses through the year. It's a one-year visa, tourist visa. However, every three months, you do have to bounce in and out of the country. You can take a bus uh, right over to Cambodia, and when you enter Cambodia, you have to get a, I believe it's a visa to pass through just for the day. And that's going to be about $30. So multiply that by four. You're talking about $120 plus the original $130, roughly about under $275 to stay in Vietnam for one year. Now, meanwhile, in the Philippines, it's always been a three-year visa for tourists. And just a quick synopsis on that, it's a bit more expensive than Vietnam if you're going to just keep extending as a tourist, a tourist visa. The way it works in the Philippines is if you know that you're going to stay long term beyond the original 30-day visa they give you when you get off the plane, you have to, when you're arriving, you have to show that you have an ongoing ticket. And for most people that are on vacation, their round-trip ticket it serves as their ongoing ticket. Now, the immigration rule for Philippines is is not that you have to go back to your home country. You just simply have to show an itinerary, a valid itinerary, that you'll be leaving the Philippines within 30 days. They don't care where you go. They don't care if you're going on to India or wherever or back home. You just need to have a ticket that's already paid for showing immigration that you're going to you're going to be gone. You're going to be leaving within 30 days. They don't want people coming into the country and then don't have the money to leave because they're not going to take care of you. You may as well just drop that idea. So to avoid all that mess, Philippines has an immigration law that says if you come in and you're going to stay for more than 30 days, more than 30 days, you need to have that ongoing ticket. And what a lot of people do is rather than buy a round trip ticket they're not going to use, They'll get a one-way ticket from their country into the Philippines, and then they'll get a separate ticket for about $45, $50, maybe $60 at most that goes within 30 days to, we call it a throwaway ticket, and that ticket is going to go from the Philippines to, say, Kuala Lumpur, Air Asia. They offer a ticket from Clark Base to Kuala Lumpur 
which has been getting sold out. I, I've mentioned it before on, on different vlogs and my own comments and stuff, and, and I guess there's becoming a big demand for it. So that ticket does get sold out. So if you're going to use it, try to book it at least like a month or two in advance. Because a lot of people take it. It's, it's like one of the cheapest flights to get out of the Philippines and satisfy the immigration law. You're not going to take that flight. You just need to show it at immigration when you arrive in the Philippines. Because once you're in the Philippines, then... Within a week or two, you go to immigration, any immigration office, there's lots of them, and you, sh you tell them you want to extend your tourist visa. They'll extend it another 30 days. And once you start that routine, you can begin extending your tourist visa two months at a time, six months at a time, or even a whole year at a time by just paying in advance, and then you're good. You can do that for up to three years. Before the three years is up, you then have to leave the Philippines for at least 24 hours, and then you come back in and repeat the whole routine, and you're good for another three years. So that's basically how it works with the Philippines. Again, with Vietnam, you do get a one-year visa, but you have to hop in and out of the country every three months. A lot of people ask, well, why? Why, why would they even have you bother doing that? Well, it's so that they know where you're at. So if, say, for instance, an expat commits a crime or he gets sued or whatever and they're looking for him, by having this immigration rule that he has to, within three months, pop in and out of the border, well, now they know where to find him. And if he doesn't pop in and out of the country, well, then he's violated his, his visa and, you know, he's basically on the run at that point. So the whole point is that they want to be able to find you because when you do pop in and out, they do a Interpol search and they also do a search within the country to see if you're wanted by the police on any level. Or if you have any, uh, you know, say for instance, an extradition order from your home country, maybe your home country is looking for you for some crime or whatever. Because uh, a lot of people do try to... Uh, flee to another country to avoid all that. So that's why. That's why they have you pass in and out of the country is so that they at least know every three months where you're at and where to find you. Now meanwhile there's Thailand. Thailand has like a one to two month uh, tourist visa depending on what you want to pay for and all that. If you're looking to live long term in Thailand you're gonna have to put forth a bit more money than you would for most of these other uh, Southeast Asian countries. With Thailand, their rules essentially require that you have, and again, I'm not going to give you exact numbers. I'll just give you what I remember off the top of my head. And if you have a link you can, to the actual requirements, feel free to put that in the comment section. But essentially, Thailand, if you want to stay long term, you're going to have to put do two things. You're going to have to be able to prove that you have a certain level of income. And I believe the income is roughly about $2,000 a month and be able to show whether it's through your retirement fund or private business or whatever that you have plenty of money to live on there in Thailand. Because again, they don't want deadbeats coming in, running out of money, and then become a social problem for Thailand. They got enough on their hands, they don't need to be taking care of foreigners. Now the other thing you have to show with Thailand is that you have money in the bank as well, and to prove that, you put it into a Thai bank. I, I don't remember offhand the amount, but I knew I do know that it's several thousand dollars, at least about three to five thousand dollars, possibly more, that you have to deposit into a Thai bank and and essentially keep a balance, 
so that they know, well, okay, you're not just scraping by and going to end up out on the streets or asking for a handout from the government. You have money to leave if things get weird. Now, that covers the immigration aspect of these four particular countries. Right now, I haven't been looking into South Korea too much, although it is kind of on my radar. I eventually probably will go there. What I can tell you about, uh, we'll talk about now some of the more uh, larger economic and political issues with Southeast Asia that are going on right now in the fourth quarter of 2016. With South Korea, it's a very thriving economy, and it's going to be expensive. So if you're going to stay in a place like Singapore, South Korea, China or Japan, expect to spend quite a bit more money than you would spend in, say, Cambodia, Vietnam, Philippines, or Thailand. Now, Malaysia's, from everything that I gather, kind of in the middle there. Not really super expensive like Singapore, but not as cheap as the Philippines or Thailand. Actually, Thailand is kind of considered by many to be a little bit more expensive than the Philippines, especially since a lot of of expats want to live in the larger cities, the tourist areas, because that's where a lot of the English is spoken. Which leads me to another thing. The reason the Philippines is has such a strong draw for expats is because they do have English as part of their national language taught in the schools. They teach English and Tagalog. And then most Filipinos, in addition to speaking English and Tagalog, speak their local dialect. So coming to the Philippines, you can get off the plane and go to any mall, go to anybody on the street, ask them for directions. And while their English may not be perfect, they can speak English and communicate in English. And that makes everything work really, really well when you're a foreigner in a foreign country. However, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, they do not teach English as a requirement in the K through 12 uh, range. So most people do not have English as their second language. Now, there is a big push for richer families to get their kids to learn English. And also many college students and professional people are very interested in learning English. However, they're doing this on their own dime. So the number of people that you're going to bump into on the street in in any of these countries, Cambodia, Vietnam, or Thailand, who speak English is going to be on the minority. I, I don't have any exact statistics, but don't expect more than 10% of the people you talk to at random to speak English. I've talked to quite a few expats through my FaceTime program that are have been living for six to nine years in, for instance, Thailand, and have told me that they just never really felt they embedded into the country, partially due to the language barrier. And it can get kind of frustrating, especially when you get into a taxi and they just do not speak English. And so you have to be prepared. You have to have written down the address of where you want to go. Uh, you may even not be able to go directly to where you want to go. You may have to go to a, a place near it, like say a mall, because they know where the mall is. So if you tell them such and such mall or such and such shopping center, that much they know. But it's, and another was telling me that he went into the bank, he had uh, some things he wanted to resolve with the bank, and in the entire bank branch, there was not one person, not even in senior management, there was not one person who spoke English. Because, after all, it's, it's Thailand, 
and people are Thai, and the people they mainly do business with are Thais, so everything is done in Thai. There's really just no major push to to accommodate the the really minor number of foreigners, English-speaking foreigners, that are in the country. They're just a very tiny, tiny percentage per capita. So that's one thing you're going to look at is when you're thinking about coming to Southeast Asia, language is, is a big one, which is, again, why so many do choose to come to the Philippines. Whereas you're going to, if you're going to go to these other countries, expect, expect to deal with the uh, language barrier. Also, another kind of anecdote here is the written language. Now, we're accustomed in the United States, if, if there's an important sign, especially with a government sign or just about anything, you might see the sign in English and then below it, it'll be in Spanish. And depending on what part of L.A. you're in, it might even be in Korean or, or whatever. Now, that, don't expect that when you go to other countries. Sometimes they'll do that. Like, for instance, the airports are very good about this. They'll put something, and you'll see all the Chinese characters, say, at Hong Kong Airport, and then underneath it, it'll have in, in English, you know, it'll say Beijing or wherever it is you're going, what gate you need to get to. But, for instance, a kind of a funny anecdote, an expat that, again, I spoke with on Skype, was telling me that he went ahead and he showed up in, um, I believe it was Hong Kong, and he took a taxi who took him to his apartment. He met the manager. The manager took him to the apartment he had rented, and everything was fine. Now, the only thing, though, is that this apartment complex was very large, and it had like five or six buildings, and every building looked exactly the same. It was exactly the same floor plan. So you can imagine what happened is he went out to the grocery store to get some stuff, came back, and all everything was in Chinese. All the doors, all the little signs on the grass, the names of the buildings. He, he was in the right building complex, but he didn't know which one was his. He got disoriented and, and didn't really make a note of you know how he got from his apartment out. So when he came back, he spent quite a bit of time looking all over the place. He eventually had to go back to the office and ask them where his apartment was. <laughs> so these are the kind of things that you end up dealing with when English is not the big part of the culture. Now, politically, again, I'll, I'll cover some of the political scene, but there's, again, because this podcast goes out all over the place, there's certain things that I really can't talk about. Again, it's, it's just the way different countries operate. Again, when you're dealing with the communist countries like, say, Vietnam or just other countries which are very, like I said, passionate about their politics, although Americans, again, in the U.K. are very passionate about their politics. Right now, what's going on is that this week, just a few days ago, the, the king did pass away. He was the longest living monarch, I believe, in, in recent history. I believe he served for over 70 years. And so it's it's a very big shock. I mean, an entire generation grew up with this man ruling as king. And so him passing away, even though in the news it was announced about a week, you know, and even more than that before, that he was his health was failing, it still came as a, a generational shock to the Thai people. And 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 the laws that they have, in addition to the culture, uh, the laws that they have pretty much mandate 
how the one year of mourning is going to happen. Their culture is very, uh, how can I put it, it's, it's very distinct in how they deal with death. And for instance, they have a, like a seven, something like a seven day ritual they go through prior to cremation and just all these things. And then there's, when it's a king, there's a 30 day period with no entertainment, no, no music, no laughter out in public. It really is a time of mourning nationally. And this is beyond just the flags being at half-mast. People are encouraged strongly to wear black. And so as a result, and then for the, the remaining year, again, there's other things that happen, like the way that they handle the TV stations and, you know, even the many of the programs are turned to black and white uh, for the entire year. Certain programming will not be cabled in. Um, you can always get that through a VPN online. So there's there's actually an entire page of you know lists of of how Thailand plans to mourn over the next year the loss of their king. So that's something to keep in mind if you were planning to go to Thailand this year especially and you were thinking well yeah go to Thailand and and hit the major walking streets and party and drink and laugh and dance and have a good time much of that has been curtailed and 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 even if you can find some places that will cater to that uh, you're you're really kind of running the edge of of being what they would see as disrespectful to this period in their 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 history right now it's it would almost be like hearing somebody laughing the same afternoon that John F Kennedy was shot it's just like you're going to be the fly in the ointment all year in Thailand if you're if you're just boisterous and loud and and again having a fun time while they're in the middle of mourning the loss of their king so if your plan was to do that kind of a gregarious loud uh vacation in Thailand right now is for the next year is really just not the time to do that I just got done reading an article about an hour ago saying that many Chinese, because the Chinese love to go to Thailand to vacation. It's a very big uh, vacation spot for them. And the Chinese tourist companies are now offering refunds and encouraging the Chinese just reconsider this is not a good time to go to Thailand. If you really want to go, here's these rules that you need to obey while you're there so you're respectful of, of this time with them. But it, it really is something you want to take into consideration. Now, if you're going to go to Thailand and you're basically going to stay at a resort that's maybe away from the major cities, uh, tourist spots, and you're just going to be at a, a, at a beach out in the province, you're going there because, say, your your in-laws live there or whatever, well, then, then you really should have no problem. It's still a great time to go down to Thailand. However, again, the party scene thing, it's just really not going to be happening, especially this month of, of October through mid-November, but it'll be continuing on for an entire 12 months. Meanwhile, in the Philippines, there's been a lot of news going on with the president here and a lot of people still ask me in in private message uh, there in Facebook and also in the comments on YouTube, 
they they have asked me, well, God, you know, I'm getting worried, and I see these news articles, and is it a good time? Should I cancel my vacation to the Philippines? And you know, what's going on? What's you know, what's your feel for what's going on? And and essentially, here's here's where it stands. Yes, there's a lot going on internationally, on an international level, between the heads of state, between President Duterte, President Obama, between the UN, and, and I mean, Russia and China. There is a lot going on, on an international level. However, uh, my answer to those of you who are concerned, that read these articles and you're concerned, what I can tell you is that, yes, in the international arena, these things are going back and forth. And there's, there's some things that need to be worked out. However, on a street level, on a day-to-day level, nothing has changed. I mean, nothing has changed. Filipinos are still very welcoming of foreigners, of Americans. There's all the goodwill is still there. They're still friendly. People will sometimes point at one or two news articles and they'll say, oh my gosh, this, this foreigner just got killed or whatever. Statistically, when you're looking at an entire country, yes, that's going to happen anyway. Even if, if they just love foreigners, that's going to happen no matter what. So you have to keep that in mind. You really can't point at one or two news articles of an expat getting murdered especially if it was done because of a financial deal or a love triangle. It really had nothing to do with a country hating foreigners or anything. So what I can tell you is that essentially things have not changed on a street level. Everybody is still very friendly. Filipinos are still very as friendly as they ever were. I've noticed zero change. I go out to the streets and I, I you know, if I, again, if I talk to a Filipino and I ask him for directions or I, whatever it is, I, you know, there's been no, you know, no strange glances, no hard feelings, no, none of that. So I would say my recommendation for what it's worth is if you have a vacation plan to the Philippines, do your vacation. Do your vacation. I mean, really, nothing really has changed much. And if you plan on retiring here long term, well, you know, man, maybe you could be, again, I don't blame anyone for being conservative. If they want to wait another year before they commit to a full-time permanent move to the Philippines, I can understand that. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a worthy consideration. But if, if you're just basically going to come in for a vacation for three weeks or two months or three months, I really see no problem, no reason to change your plans, really, as far as the street level of interpersonal interactions that you're going to have day to day, going to the grocery store and going to the tourist spots and going to the resorts and all that. There's, there's just no animosity to worry about. Again, most of the noise that people are concerned about is going on on an international level between heads of state. It's not happening interpersonally with the actual Filipino people. So I hope that gives you just a general background on where things stand here in this last quarter of 2016 here in Southeast Asia. In the future, I'll try to do these, you know, every maybe once a quarter, an update on just the status of things as they change. But uh, again, overall, Southeast Asia is still a great place to vacation and retire. Again, if you're going to stay long-term or, or vacation anywhere other than the Philippines, 
be prepared for some language barrier issues. You know, it's, it's, it's just something you're going to have to be ready for. You will find some English-speaking people in, in Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand. You will find them, especially in the tourist areas. But realize that in order to have that little luxury, you're going to pay a little bit more in those areas as well. Whereas if you go to the, the outskirts, you're going to pay less. However, you're not going to find that many English-speaking people. So you may want to bring some kind of an app. Uh, I would recommend putting an app on your phone so that at least, at the minimum, you could present some bad Thai or some bad Vietnamese uh, and tell them, hey, uh, can you show me where my hotel is? I lost it. <laughs> so I hope you find that helpful, and we'll talk about something else next week. All right, see you then. Bye-bye.